When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Blackout. Of course, always coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. He is Alan Denton. I'm Thomas Black, and we're here for a Week 12 ATS Pick and Pod. Alan, it's amazing to think about this, but we are down to the final three weeks of the regular season. It's been a while since you've been here with me, so how are you feeling after the last couple of weeks returning to the show as we move into the final stretch of the season? Well, honestly, I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be back. And in regards to my position and that type of stuff, it is what it is. You know, it's been a good year, but not a great year. But listen, I'm going to take every week of football and be grateful for it. So I'm always down for some pick em talk. Yes, absolutely. For some pick em talk. Of course, we've got to be grateful and enjoy what is left of the season, even if it hasn't been the best of seasons on the pick em slate. Though for my side, I've got one very bad result through 11 weeks, and I've got one really solid result. Of course, we're not finalized yet, but we'll get into that as we go. So definitely some encouraging signs in some ways and definitely some spots where we can do better, but that's why we always have a reset ahead of us with a bowl season. And Alan, I mentioned that because our bowl groups are live. So any of you listening to this, the invitation for those groups has already gone out via email. That's where you're going to see those. If you want to invite other people to join the contest as we go into bowl season, get people to sign up for our email newsletter. That is where we keep everybody clustered so that everybody has to interact with our product as much as possible. And we hopefully see this thing grow and develop bigger prizes as we go. And it's the intent for everybody to have more success have bigger results, have bigger prizes. Alan, it's a blast and can't wait to see what happens come bowl season when you and I both get to reset our boards a little bit. Exactly. That part's going to be really nice. Not feeling like we're digging out of a massive hole or anything like that. Just reset it. But yeah, I love bowl season. But the last couple of weeks, it's very meaningful. There's still a lot left to be uncovered in this football year. There is a lot still on the pick'em board, and that is because everybody is trying to chase down the leaders that we have this week as we look at the end of the season. William is in first place, just as he has been for quite some time. He has 67 wins on the season. He leads the way for $175. In second place is another William with 62 wins, five wins back, leading the way for $75. And then Ted is in third place with 61 wins with $25 that he leads the way for. Blackout t-shirts for everybody. And what is unique, Alan, is as you look at that top three, 
each of these three guys went six and four in week 11. So six and four was the top week in week 11. Uniquely, that's the lowest total we've had in any week of this season for a winning week. And I think that stands out to me. But the fact that each of our top three were in that group is very, very impressive. Yeah, it really is. I did not fare so well, but at six and four this past week, with literally half the board being pick'em games basically from Vegas, is a remarkable feat. So kudos to those folks. You've already alluded to it, Alan. You did not have such a fine week yourself against the spread. You went three and seven. You did drop on the leaderboard, but not by very much. You're now in eleventh place versus tenth place where you were a week ago, and you are fifty-six and fifty-three through 11 weeks, so still over 500, even with the negative week you had. So what are your thoughts back as you look back on your locks, any other picks that stand out, and anything that you gleaned from a very challenging week on the Pick'em Slate? So I'll just go to a couple that I for sure got right. You and I both were on Michigan, the minus four and a half points. We nailed that. And to me, I was even more sure that they were going to cover that whenever Harbaugh got suspended. I'm like, this is going to make them so angry. And they're going to take it out because it's what they did the first three weeks of the year. And they're demonstrably better than Penn State. That is a team that has eight wins because, quite frankly, their schedule is so uniquely pitiful. And Michigan is not that. And then I absolutely nailed Virginia Tech, and that was one on the confidence side, but I also got it right on the ATS side. That was a big one. One that I missed on the ATS side that was my lock was the Kansas game. But, I mean, here's the deal. When Jason Bean goes out in the first quarter because of injury, I mean, it counts. Don't get me wrong. But that's still kind of an asterisk because they still could have won that game. They were driving, ended up having to kick a field goal, and then, of course, Texas Tech goes right back down and scores the game-winning field goal. But it's one of those things where it was so close, and I think it's a totally different result if Jason Bean plays the full time. Yeah, I think very likely that is the case. And a lot of people that were on Kansas minus three and a half points, I think, suffered because of it. And as we look back on your picks, I think you already gave a great rundown. But for people who listened to last week's episode, you would notice that Zane was sitting in Alan's seat last week. Alan had the week off, but his picks did go out via email. And when those go out on a weekly basis, you would have found out that not only was Zane on Kansas minus three and a half, but Alan was on Kansas minus three and a half as well. So that was a lock party. And of course, it's a loss. Zane and Alan are now 0-2 on lock parties in their careers working together. But if you remember back, Alan and I had a pretty weak lock party start a year ago before we've really gotten on a good run. So because of the Jason Bean injury and because it's a loss, a close one, a three-point game, I really do think you all were on the right side with that one. It just came out on the bad end because of the injury, and I think that's fully understandable. But when you talk about the Virginia Tech confidence value play you handed out on the email, plus your ATS locks go in one and one in lock parties on both of those, 
you ended up going two and one in plays that had impact on the ATS. So to me, Alan, you went three and seven in your picks, but you went two and one against the spread based off of your advice you gave out on the email. So to me, it was a very acceptable result from that standpoint. You're giving out advice that hits over 500 and you ended up hitting on two winners out of three on your total board. So to me, you were looking at your board about as accurately as you could for giving out advice, even though you had a weak week overall. Yeah, exactly. I can feel good about the fact that I, I was giving out my best. You know, everything else that wasn't so great, but this week I gave out my best stuff, which I can hold my head up high on. We talk about this all the time. There are going to be weeks on the Pick'em Slate where we do not choose these games every week. We find out what they are on Mondays. And there are going to be weeks where we don't like the pick'em slate. And last week was a very, very challenging one. Now, I ended up on the good end of that. I went six and four against the spread, just like our leaders did. And I climbed the leaderboard. I'm now in fourth place right behind our top three, rather than being back in seventh like I was a week ago. I'm now 60 and 50 against the spread on the season. And my locks hit in a big way. I had Georgia minus 11 and a half points when they win this thing by 35 on their home field against Ole Miss. Just about never a doubt, apart from the first couple of drives of this game where Ole Miss really ran up and down the field. But I kind of figured that Georgia would find a way to settle in and get some stops. And then not only did they do that, they absolutely dominated. And then, of course, I was on Michigan minus four and a half points as well as Allen. So that was a lock party winner for me and Allen. We've now won our last two lock parties on the show. We're now four and two in our lock parties on the season. And Allen, if you go back to last bowl season, you and I are now nine and three in lock parties going back to the beginning of bowl season and running up to where we are right now. So just think about that. If people have blindly followed our lock parties, that sets you up for a 75% winning percentage going back from last bowl season all the way up through this regular season. So we're hitting on these things pretty regularly. And to me, that is an awful lot of success when you look at what we're handing out on the show. And it goes a long way to setting people up to be able to have success. And it's just something that I hope we can continue doing here on a weekly basis. Absolutely. Again, we're giving out really good stuff. Now, when you go over to my confidence value picks that I handed out a week ago, one of them with significance, and I'll only mention one of them because I'll get to Zane's picks here in a minute, and his kind of outdid mine, but I gave out loss insurance for Western Kentucky playing New Mexico State, and if you took that kind of advice, then you very likely would have played New Mexico State plus four and a half points on the ATS side, just like I did, and that was a winner. Now, I'm not going to count my Michigan win as I did with Allen because Allen's already accounted for it and the advice we handed out. But when you look at my Georgia pick plus my loss insurance pick for Western Kentucky, that means I gave out an additional two wins and no losses on the ATS side of things. And when you look at what Zane did a week ago, he went a rough two and eight against the spread. He dropped to 16th from 13th a week ago, he's now 54 and 56 against the spread on the season. So he's floating right around that 500 mark. And of course, he had the loss on the lock party with Kansas minus the points. But again, I think he and you, Alan, should be very assured that you feel like you were on the right side with that. And then Zane also took Oklahoma State as a lock minus two and a half points at UCF. And that was a blowout loss and nowhere close. But just about everybody was on Oklahoma State, if not everybody in the entire group. So 
we're only going to count one of those losses because Alan's already accounted for it on his side and what we're talking about in the advice given out. And then on the confidence value side, Zane also went with Missouri in an upset of Tennessee. And of course, as an underdog, that would give the advice to take Missouri plus the point and a half on the ATS side. So when you tally up all the advice we gave out on these games, Alan, Zane went one and one on confidence value plays in a sense. I went 2-0, and and you went 2-1, and because there was crossover amongst all our records. So I'm discounting some of those wins and losses when you have the crossover. In total, we went 5-2 and in the games that we gave advice for when you're talking about just an against-the-spread standpoint. So again, in a week where 6-4 and was the winning week, and technically I was the winner based on tiebreakers, we set everybody up listening to this if you followed our picks blindly to set yourself up to do just as well, if not beat out the top of the pack this past week. That is an impressive start to what we did as far as giving people a baseline for standing out amongst the pack against the spread. Yeah, very much so. It is an awful lot of fun doing this on a weekly basis. Of course, we don't hit all the time like that. But now, if I'm correct, Alan, I think we've looked back on this thing, and I think we've given kind of this baseline for people now for three, maybe four weeks in a row. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in a really good run right now, and that might come to an end this week. But I think we're in a really good spot and have really hit our stride with this thing as we keep on going. Yeah, I think so, too. It's kind of neat to see us kind of, accelerating and hitting our stride as you mentioned. All right, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into some new locks for week 12. Take it away, my man. All right. Because I ended up with a six and four week and the best week overall, I will start us this week. And Alan, I am looking at a dicey ACC matchup between the North Carolina Tar Heels on the road as a six and a half point underdog at the Clemson Tigers. And we're looking at two teams that, you might have big questions about, and I cannot blame you because Clemson has been one of the most turnover-prone teams in the country with 18 of them on the season. And when you look at North Carolina, this is a team that their defense is really trending in the wrong direction. So I think there's probably a lot of people who are questioning, what the heck do you do with this matchup? But really, Alan, this is one of my favorite plays of the week. And I'll dive into some things with each team that I think is significant going into this matchup. Of course, with Clemson, we've seen this team struggle big time in multiple ways this season. You go back a few weeks, and we saw them lose back-to-back games at Miami in double overtime in the Pick'em Slate, again at NC State in a loss where they outgained the Wolfpack by over 160 yards. And then they surprised everybody picking up the win on their home field against Notre Dame in kind of an ugly game where they got a pick six, but they were held to under 300 yards of offense. And then they finally got things moving, I think, in a really positive direction this past week against an okay Georgia Tech team. They won 42-21, to but they were up 42-7 to in the fourth quarter, and they outgained Georgia Tech by over 200 yards. You look at North Carolina – And man, like I said, they've been trending in a bad direction for a good bit of time. Ever since their win over Miami, 41-31, that was in the pick'em slate, they lost back-to-back games against Virginia and Georgia Tech. Both close games, but this defense, again, is what I'm talking about, has really turned south. Against Virginia, they allowed over 430 yards nearly 230 on the ground. And then you go to the game at Georgia Tech where they lost 46-42. They gave up 
135 yards of offense to the Yellow Jackets, nearly 350 of that on the ground at 7.3 yards per carry. They recently got a win over Campbell. Who cares? It was a blowout. And then they beat Duke 47-45 in double overtime where Duke's third-string quarterback, Grayson Loftus, was involved, and they still put up nearly 400 yards of offense. And then you look back at what Grayson Loftus and company did in their week prior against Wake Forest in a three-point win where they were held to under 300 yards of offense. Alan, I have big-time concerns about North Carolina's defense. I think it's largely why it's an underdog on the road at Clemson. And even though Drake May and his offensive weapons are impressive – I think they're going up against a Clemson defense that is still good. And I think that people who have written off Clemson because of its four losses and talk about how they're not a good football team, I think that you are a little misguided with that. I think Clemson is a talented football team that is still good in a lot of respects, but they've had a lot of situations where they've shot themselves in the foot. I think that Garrett Riley is going to get this offense right against a bad North Carolina defense. I like Phil Maffa and Will Shipley to have a big game on the ground. And I think Cade Klubnick, even though he hasn't been spectacular this year, I think this is an opportunity for him to have success as well. So I like Clemson's defense. I think it's either the best or the second best unit on the field in this game. And I think that's compared to North Carolina's offense, but I think that's kind of a 1A, 1B situation with whichever one you want to side with. And then I think third is Clemson's offense very clearly. And I think way down the list is North Carolina's defense as the fourth best unit on the field. So I like Clemson to have success both offensively and defensively, even if that's just slowing down North Carolina. I like the fact that it's in South Carolina for this matchup. I'm locking up Clemson minus the six and a half points. You know what? This was a game that I haven't done a ton of research on, but it is absolutely one that I was leading Clemson. They are much like us, hitting their stride at the right time, in my opinion. And because of that, I think that the Clemson Tigers are the team to play here. North Carolina is, as you've mentioned, really beginning to struggle. Drake May is missing Josh Downs. He's missing some of those guys from last year. He's been more interception prone. Their defense that Gene Chizik leads is reverting back to much what they did last year which was one of the worst in the entire nation. This feels like Garrett Riley and company are primed and ready to make another statement. And Dabo is going to just freaking tear down Tyler from Spartanburg or whoever he was again, because I think he's going to probably get a good sized win in this one. I'm going to remind everybody that we saw these two teams match up in the ACC championship a year ago. Clemson won in a route 39 to 10. Now you look back at that game and statistically the game was kind of even apart from the fact that I think Clemson forced four turnovers and that was kind of the difference in this game. But I think these teams are very similar to what they were a year ago, apart from what you just said, North Carolina missing some of its offensive weapons, especially at wide receiver. And I think other than that, largely they're the same teams, but we're looking at two teams that, like you said, Clemson, I think, is moving in the right direction. I think North Carolina is moving in the wrong direction. And I think the defense is one that, while Clemson's offense has not been special, I think they do have a good run game, and I think that can see a ton of success on this Tar Heel defense this week come Saturday afternoon. Very much so. All right, Alan, why don't you take us away with your favorite lock of Week 12? Absolutely. Let's travel to the Midwest for a state rivalry game with Kansas State at Kansas. 
somehow this is a top 25 matchup, even though Kansas just totally wet the bed against Texas Tech last week. Kansas State is a seven and a half point favorite on the road. And you know what? They are beginning to play some great, great football. In fact, if you look at their past five games, they've scored 30 or more in every one of them. And that was against a Texas team that is playing pretty doggone well themselves. I think that this team is playing really, really well. I mean, when you just look at even Baylor, and Baylor's absolute trash, but they beat them 59 to 25. Before the Texas game, they beat Houston 41 to nothing, beat TCU 41 to three, a TCU team that Texas almost lost to this past week, or at least it was a very close game at the end. Kansas most likely will have Jason Bean back. Now, this is going to be a different type of game if Jalen Daniels can come back. And we just don't know if that's going to be the case. Most likely, I mean, he hasn't played consistently all year, but we they do seem to expect Jason Bean to be back. And so they will be more competent on offense. But Kansas State's defense is only allowing around 18 points per game. And Kansas's defense is problematic. They're allowing close to 430 yards a game to opposing offenses. And I don't think that that will set up well with Will Howard and company. Now, there have been some times that Kansas State has struggled a little bit on the road and lost at Missouri, lost at Oklahoma State, and lost at Texas. But in my opinion, Kansas is none of those types of teams. Oklahoma State proved themselves to be good, and Missouri has proven themselves to be a very good team, maybe the third best team in the SEC this year. I think pretty clearly the third best team with maybe an argument of LSU because LSU obviously beat them head to head. But I'm locking up Kansas State at minus seven and a half over Kansas. That's right. We know how to party. As yeah. I said, Alan and I have won our last two lock parties. We're now four and two on the season. And as I've talked about before, I believe what we're headed for is a sample size that is just getting bigger and bigger. And we have to continue proving this thing out. And, you know, this could get slowed down this week with the wrong result here. But when you go back and look at what we did a year ago, we went 0-4 in our lock parties during the regular season. And since then, we have hit nine of our last 12. And if we hit this one, it would be our third straight because I'm on the Wildcats minus seven and a half points as well. Alan, I like everything you said. We do have questions about what's going on at quarterback with Kansas. Of course, Lance Leipold did say this week that he is very optimistic that Jason Bean will be ready to go, but they practiced on Sunday after their game against Texas Tech, and Jason Bean was not active during practice. Then they took the day off on Monday, and I have not seen a report as to what has happened today, so I'm not sure, but I'm going to take the quote from Lance Leipold saying that he's optimistic that Bean's going to be available to think that we probably see Jason Bean at quarterback come Saturday, but I like Kansas State's defense 
against a Kansas offense that we've seen limited at times. It's usually pretty good, and this offense is a lot of fun to watch for a lot of reasons. I like their backs. I like the ability for them to be able to get receivers open, but I think this is one of the better defenses they're going to have faced. And when you look back at what Kansas did recently against Iowa State, The Cyclones were able to limit the running game, and that was vital to making that a close game. Now, Kansas won it, and they won it by seven. It was moderately comfortable in the game, but their offense was limited to under 400 yards of offense. And I think Kansas State has the rush defense to maybe be able to slow down what the Jayhawks do offensively, especially in the run game. Now, Kansas State is a little susceptible in the pass game, but if they can shut down the run and make this team a little one-dimensional, I think Kansas operates more on scheming guys open rather than kind of one-on-one matchups and just beating defenders on a regular basis. And when you look at the offense of Kansas State, I love the run game and what it's been doing recently. J.D. Giddens and Treshawn Ward at running back have been great. Their backup quarterback, Avery Johnson, continues to get run. And recently against Texas Tech, he had five rushing touchdowns in that game. And that's one where he's not just playing in mop-up duty. They're rotating quarterbacks, and it's because they like both of their guys. So I think against this Jayhawks defense, Kansas State should be able to run the ball really, really well. And I think that opens up the door for Will Howard to have a good day passing the ball as well. I think they're going to have tons of success on the offensive side. And I think their defense is good enough to limit Kansas and at least stop them semi-regularly in this game. So I'm absolutely locking up the Wildcats minus seven and a half as well. The lock parties keep on flowing, Allen. And if we keep on hitting on these at a semi-regular basis, then we're going to be setting people up with some definite wins on the leaderboard and helping people as they transition into the late stages of this contest with a chance to win some of those prizes. I love that so much, man. That's really, really good that we're locking it up again. It adds a little more flavor to the weekend when we got something even greater riding on it. So I'm down with this, man. Love it. Alan, where are you going for your second ATS lock of week 12? All right, let's travel down to the farthest southern point you can basically get in the continental United States, and that's Louisville at Miami in a game that, for all intents and purposes, look like Louisville should win this game and rather easily when you look at record, when you look at ranking, all those things point to Louisville being a prohibitive favorite, but they're not. They're a very, very minimal favorite. In fact, the the line started at minus one and a half, and that's what it is on CBS, but it's already moved a little bit closer to minus one, which means that it's essentially a pick'em game. And I think there's some reasons that this is a pick'em game. They essentially average the exact same amount of points per game, about 30. Louisville averages 32 per game. Defenses are very similar, averaging anywhere between 17 and 20 points per game. Offensively, they're very similar. Defensively, very similar. So when you look at this, Miami has been good at home. And Louisville is rather untested, in my opinion, on the road. When I saw this stat, I honestly couldn't believe what I saw. Louisville has only played two true road games this entire year. And they're 9-1. and one. And their one loss came at a hapless, horrible Pittsburgh team three weeks ago. The other game was at NC State, and they won only by three they played Georgia Tech and they played 
Indiana on neutral sites, which again, do not count as true road games, but in the two true road tests that they've had and in their last home game against Virginia, they were very unimpressive. So when it comes to this week, even without Emory Williams, I think it will potentially help Miami that Tyler Van Dyke is going to be inserted back into the starting lineup against a defense that is pretty formidable and can get after the passer. I think Miami is the team to play here, and I'm locking up the Hurricanes with Mario Cristobal. Wow, I like it. And I was nowhere close to picking this as a lock, and I still to this point don't know where I'm going with this one. And a lot of it does hinge on what you just talked about with the quarterback position with Miami. Like you mentioned, with Emory Williams going down with his, I think it's multiple fracture, broken arm in the game they just played against Florida State. We saw Tyler Van Dyke come in late in that game. And I think the hangup for me is Tyler Van Dyke hit a rough stretch in the middle of the season. And as of late, that has been really, really bad. But when he's been good this season, he's been really good. And I think if you get good Tyler Van Dyke, I think the absolute side to be on is Miami plus the points on their home field against a Louisville team that I don't think is all that good. Now, when you're talking about a Louisville team that is going on the road and hasn't played well necessarily on the road, I think this is a spot where the same thing could happen. I mean, I think, frankly, I think Miami has more talent on their roster than Louisville does, but Jake Plummer's been pretty good. Jawar Jordan is a bit of a freak at running back, and Jamari Thrash has been really solid as well. So I like some of their pieces but I'm going to be weighing heavily what kind of performance I think we get from Tyler Van Dyke in this game. Because if I think we get good TVD, I think Miami's decided to be on. If I get the vibe that he's going to be playing poorly as he has recently, I'm probably siding with Louisville in this one. But it is one that I did not want to stay in the realm of picking as a lock. But I'll respect your pick, and I hope that you're right for the sake of your own pick and people that side with you. But I think there's every bit of an argument as to why you should, because my gut reaction for this one was to go with Miami. It's just the Van Dyke performance of late is the one hangup for me as far as possibly jumping on that side. So that's really where my pick is going to hinge. But I will absolutely be thinking about this one deep into the week and into Saturday morning where I think I'll probably make my final decision. I think that's very much understandable. This is one that I had to take a long, hard look at. And it was only after seeing how putrid Louisville's been on the road that was kind of a confirming measure for me. I'm like, they are not ready to go down. And even, let's be honest, like Miami is not a hard place to play, but it's still on the road. And you still got to get on a plane. You're still only taking 70 players and you've got a lot on the line, and Miami still has something to play for. They've been embarrassed this year, put up a good effort, a solid effort against Florida State. I think they've got some things to prove, and so does Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, he's playing for some money and some manner of redemption. So I, I'm going with motivation and just past history. They've played well at home, and Louisville's played very poorly on the road. 
I like it, and I think a lot of things to look at and consider in this matchup. And to me, this one feels like it's hard to identify what we're going to get out of this result, but it is one where I do like this position for Miami if you get good Miami. And that's just something that's hard to, I think, predict, but I'm okay with it, and I like your rationale for it. So I'll support you in it as far as I respect the opinion. And I don't know if I'll be on the same side (laughs) come Saturday, but I can't blame you for having the take you do because there are a lot of aspects I like of this side for the Hurricanes. It's just the one hangup is going to be, what do I think we're going to get out of Tyler Van Dyke? And that is a tough question for me to answer right now. I think that's very fair. All right, Alan, we've got another episode to record. So if you would like to join us over there, of course, if you're already a Patreon subscriber, you are going to have access to that episode as long as you are a walk-on or a team captain. Those are the people who are current subscribers who are going to get that content. And like we've talked about in reviewing our records, for the last several weeks, not only have we hit a lot of our ATS locks over here on the free episode, but we have also given out sound advice on our confidence value picks that oftentimes, not always, will lead you in a specific direction in terms of the ATS. It's not a, you have to be on this side or the other. And I think there is some loose play with some of those sometimes because, you know, we put out our locks over here where Alan or me or Zane, we all feel pretty dang confident about what's going to happen in a game. And the confidence value plays, we may have some confidence, but it's a little bit more of a risky play sometimes. But oftentimes the way we talk about them does indicate where we're going to be on the ATS side as well. So Alan, I think it's absolutely valuable content and stuff that you're going to want to be involved with as we head off to the bowl season contest as well, because there is one of the two of us, not me, that tore it up last bowl season on both the ATS and the confidence side. And I'm telling you, if you're missing out on the content that we're putting out on a weekly basis and what we're going to be putting out during bowl season as well, then you're missing out on some incredible value that we find on sometimes a weekly basis, and definitely, I think, over the course of the entire season, there's a lot of value handed out over there, Alan. Yeah, I love bowl season, man. It's so much fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so if you would like to join the Confidence Pick and Pod conversation that we give out each and every week, you can join us on Patreon at the walk-on level at only $2.50 per month. If you would like to get the email that's going to go out later this week with both of the picks that Alan and I are handing out now, plus our confidence value picks, plus the ATS locks and the confidence value plays for Zane, then you can jump on as a team captain. That's only $5 a month. And of course, everybody who's jumping on there right now, that money's being thrown back into the pot. We're going to have bigger prizes over time as we continue developing this product. And When we win, you win. That's because when you are a team member, walk on tier or higher, you get a cut of the prizes that Alan wins, that I win, that Zane wins, plus our spouses as well. So there's a good number of opportunities to win those things. My wife happens to be right up at the top of the confidence pick'em right now, so she is a threat to walk away with some of those prizes, and we might have some people getting a cut of those as we go. So, Alan, it's an exciting product, and can't wait to see what this thing turns into one day as I think we're headed a good direction, and I think this thing is going to continue to grow slowly right now, but one day I hope this thing is absolutely massive. Agree, Dave. Absolutely. I, I love to see it. All right, Alan, I can't wait to hear what you're giving out as some confidence value plays over on the Confidence Pick'em Pod, and we'll look forward to having that conversation over there, sir. Sounds good, buddy. See you on the other side.
Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.